Okay, wonderful. Well, we are starting a new sermon series today, and we're entitling the series, How to Get Ahead. How to Get Ahead. Say, well, wait, is this, a, is this a series about money? It sure is. See, is that a spiritual topic? Is money a spiritual topic? It sure is. And I'm going to give you a couple of reasons why. Let me get you the practical one first. I have been pastor now for nearly 23 years, 22 years and 10 months-ish. And I'm going to tell you, I can't tell you how many times money troubles have hindered and hurt relationships. You know the number one cause of marriage troubles is money. So of all the leading causes of marriage troubles and drama and split-ups, money. And even when the other troubles are happening in a relationship, oftentimes those other problems are being handled until the money gets crazy as well. And then because the money gets crazy and makes the other problems crazier, finances are so big in relationships. I've watched people who want to do good things in their life feel in bondage to their, to their job and just trying to eke out a, a living watched people go through depression that comes with it all, the stress and the strain, the, uh, the tension, the emotional unhealth from, from just trying to figure out how to get by financially. And so, yeah, it's a big deal. By the way, something else. You might not know this, but the Bible talks an awful lot about money. In fact, there have been people, I've heard, I've heard this several times from people who, who research these things. I've heard it said that the Bible speaks about money more than it speaks about any other topic. Now, I don't know if that's true or not because I've never taken the time to sit down and write all the verses down and create a spreadsheet. I could take their word for it. I do know this. I do know the Bible talks an awful lot about money because of the fact that it impacts our life. And so we want to talk about how to get ahead. Now, let me be very clear. This is not a series where we're asking you to give. We've done it before. We've talked about giving. We believe in giving. We believe in generosity. It's a big part of the Christian life, and you, you know that. And it will definitely come, come up probably at some point here and there in a series like this. But this is not a series about how, how you should give, about wanting you to give. This is a series about wanting you to get. We want you to get ahead. And so we're going to take a few weeks. We just finished studying the book of James for the last four months. Okay, we're going to shift gears for a few weeks and talk about how to get ahead for the next few weeks. And I hope that before we're done, you'll get something that will help you do just that. And here's why. Because what we want to do is we want you to be able to move from I can't to I can. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? That spot in your life where you're like, you know, I would love to be able to change my job and take on this new career that brings me a bigger sense of meaning and a more sense of purpose. And I think that'd be a better thing for me to do with my life and be more passionate for. But it doesn't pay as well, perhaps, and I just can't afford to. Or I can, but I'd be in limbo for a little while and I can't afford to do that, so I can't make that move to something more meaningful or purposeful. We want to move you from I can't to I can or for you to be in a spot where you're like, I want to do something for my parents as they get older, but I just, I just wish I could, but I can't. Or for my kids as they grow up and raise their own kids and life is tough, I, I just can't. Or I'd like to be able to go and enjoy this, this idea of this trip or this, this thing I wanted to do in my life. I want to be, go, go enjoy that, but I just can't. Or I want to do something missional with my energy. I want to go help somebody, help somebody with my time, with my money. I want to do something awesome. I, I, all these things I could dream of, but, but it's always an I can't. And we want that I can't to turn into an I can. And so because of that, that's the core point of this series. But here's the thing. To move to I can is very, very possible, especially in, 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 in this, our country. You, you can get there. But you're likely are going to do so by following a set of principles over a long period of time. Because really for most of us, there is no magic wand. Right? Most of us don't have a rich Aunt Gertrude that, no offense to anyone's Aunt Gertrude here, but you don't have an Aunt Gertrude who, you know, she's going to kick over and leave you the millions, right? Everyone's got their little dream, you know, Aunt Gertrude's going to, or, you know, it's the, it's the stories, the books you read, the movies you watch where all of a sudden you're living and in, in, in struggling through life and then one day someone shows up and tells you that you didn't know but you're actually the heir of a small country somewhere and you're gonna now rich or the person you're dating, he or she is a prince or a princess, you didn't even know it and oh my goodness, you know, you know most of us don't have a rich Aunt Gertrude to, to bail us out. So, what's that? The Powerball, the Powerball right. 
spend, spend our thousands of dollars over the years of Powerball and lose all that money to get nothing. That's our other plan, right? <laughs> and so, but, but there, there's a way to get there. And by the way, here's the bottom line, and I, this is getting ahead of myself for another different day. The Bible teaches, and this is true with life, people who get ahead that way usually lose it all within a few years. That's just how it goes. Because you don't get it the right way, you don't tend to keep it very well either. So for most of us without an Aunt Gertrude, the truth is we're going to get there through a following a set of principles. And that's okay. By the way, we're told in the scriptures that we are not to trust in riches anyhow, are we? The Bible is clear. Don't trust in money. Put your trust in God. The Bible warns us about the, da- the wrongness of using, uh, taking advantage of other people and embezzling from other people and mis- treating other people to get ahead financially. God says that's a no-no. Or when we get ahead financially and we um, become wealthy, and then we believe it's all for our consumption, so we hoard it while others around us struggle to survive. God says, I'm warning you against that. There's so much Bible, so much scripture about how we are not to, uh, to trust in our wealth or riches. But you know, for every Bible story that you see where someone is kind of being rebuked for being rich the wrong way, you'll find another Bible story like Job or Abraham or somebody else who was very wealthy and God commends them for being the right kind of person with their wealth and a person of faith. You could argue the scriptures to preach any kind of a angle you want to from being more generous and socialistic to being more fr- frugal and capitalistic. The Bible's not a political agenda. The Bible's a broad topic of everything, about being generous to those in need, but also doing the right things to get yourself ahead. And so there's lots of Bible teaching about this subject. We don't want to trust in riches, but the same God gives us examples and truths about, the handle, about how to handle what we have and how to make the most of what we have. And yes, some will get fortunate, some will get Powerball or Aunt Gertrude or somebody else maybe, but most of us will have to follow principles. And here's what it looks like, ready? It's long, consistent steps in the same right direction. Now look at that statement on the screen. That is not sexy. Can you say that in church? Okay, listen. That is long, consistent steps in the same right direction. Oh, man, forget this, right? Because here's the thing. Um, we are, as human beings, we are very bad at overestimating what we can do in a year and underestimating what we can accomplish in five to ten years. Some of us have tried that, you know. We, we overestimate. In one year, I'm going to eat right. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to work out. And, and then a year later, we're like, man, I don't look like Chris Hemsworth quite yet. I mean, I'm just not quite. They're not, they're not called me and asked me to audition to be the next Marvel superhero yet. And so this, this whole eating right and exercising doesn't work, right? That's, that's my excuse anyhow. But no, here's the thing. Um, it's, we overestimate what we can do in a year but we underestimate what we can do in five to ten years. And that's true with our money. That's true with our finances. And so the secret for, for almost all of us to get ahead is long, consistent steps in the same right direction. And it can be done. For all of us, it can be done because we live in an, an opportunity. You say, well, you know, it can't be done. Look, look, there have been people born in time and history that had no choice. They had no opportunities. Their life never got started before it was, it was done. People were born into poverty, slavery, peasantry, People have been born so unhealthy they can't feed themselves or, and do anything. And yet if you are here and you got up and came to church today or you're up and moving around watching this online and you, live, you won the lottery ticket geographically and live in the United States of America, I mean, we have, we, for all of our flaws, it's a, it's a time of opportunity. And you can do this, but, it, but not, most people don't. And here's the bottom line. Most people won't do. Most people don't get ahead. Most people live paycheck to paycheck or worse. They live in a perpetual hole. But there's a different way. It looks like that. It takes time. It can change everything. So who is this sermon series for? This series is for all ages. It's for all ages. This is a series, you say, well, I'm poor. Again, if you live in, especially if you live in this country, you know, trust me, if you're on the poorer side of a rich nation, a free enterprise society on the poor side of it, you have every opportunity. This, this is for you today. You say, well, I'm, I'm already rich, so I don't need this. If you're rich today, this will help you hold, you know, you either got it this way or you'll keep it this way. 
You say, well, I'm too young. You are definitely not too young. In fact, the younger you are, the youngest person in this room, this is for you. This series is especially, the younger, the better for this series, really. You say, well, there it goes, Arlen. Then, uh, then I'm too old. No, you're not. They, someone once said the best time to start a good idea, the best time to start is yesterday. The second best time to start is today, right? And by the way, if you're a parent, don't you want to pass on along some better principles to your kids? Maybe better principles than you and I even lived with. If you're a grandparent, you have any chance to speak into your grandchildren's life through the years as you earn influence with them. To get this into our DNA and to, and to, and to say to them, I did this or I wish I'd done this and be able to pass on something that can change their life. This, you're not too young, you're not too old, you're not too rich, you're not too poor. This is for all of us. We should take it to heart. Now, I'm going to give you the big idea for our series with an illustration. I'm going to put a visual aid on the table up here. That's what it's here for. But I'm going to warn you before I do, and then we're going to see some Scripture verses after that for a while. Lots of Scripture verses about this. We're going to see lots of verses for the next four weeks. A few today, a few more each of the next few weeks. Different topics, different directions. Today is largely going to be setting the stage for the next three weeks. Today's largely going to be a simple illustration. In fact, I'm just going to tell you right now, it's not very deep. Where's the deep things? This is not a very deep sermon. But here's the thing I've learned. I'm not even sure what deep means. I've been around a lot of Christians who say, I like to, like to talk about the deeper things of God. What they mean is they like to have fancy terms and talk big, but I've seen a lot of people who consider themselves deep and it's made no discernible difference in their day-to-day -day life and relationships. And by the way, coming to church and having something that sounds very deep. You know, some people think, I, I was so good today. I went to church and I heard something. I didn't even understand it. I didn't even understand. It was so spiritual. I didn't even understand. It was, must, must have been good. That doesn't help anybody. In fact, the truth is that when we put the jelly on the bottom shelf and make it really practical, well, sometimes that's the problem, isn't it? Because then we can't, you know, please say something I can't understand because if you're plain, I'll feel like I have to do that. I don't want it to be that clear, right? So we'd like it to be a little confusing. This will be very simple today. But it doesn't have to be deep. It needs to make a difference. And I hope that beginning today, we can set the stage for today for the next few weeks to build on and make a difference in someone's life. Your life, your children's life, someone's life one day because of this idea. But it's got to get in here first. So here's, the, here's what we're going to do. I have a visual helper here. This is a bunch of M&Ms. And it's going to represent money. Okay? M&Ms. Money and more money. More money. Okay, there we go. And then I'm going to treat that's, that's the money that we have yet to earn. This is going to be money that has not yet come in, but we can bring it in. And over here... This will represent money that's going to go out. That once we earn it, we spend it. And I'm going to have this be my income earner and spender. What happens in life is we can get, maybe we get allowance when we're little, we get a first job, or we get, our, you know, we get married and we find some careers ourselves, or maybe both of us, and we earn some money. And then, of course, we spend our money. Because that's what you earn money for, is to spend it. Now, along the way, this middle stage in front of me is going to represent getting ahead. This is going to be getting ahead. The problem is this. Now, I'm going to say something very, so much simple here, but just understand, we all know this. You obviously have to have more income than outgo. We understand that, right? Like, you can't survive without as much income as you have outgo. Like, that's called getting in the hole. Like, even before there were monetary systems... You know, if you were raising crops, you had to bring more food in than was going to go out through your system, obviously, right? You, you, if you're going to trade with, with the neighbors, you know, and barter, you, you always have to have, you just mathematically have to have more income than outgo. But if your outgo matches your income, you'll never get ahead. Everything is going, that's coming in is going out. And so this represents what comes in, and this represents what goes out. And in the middle is the idea of getting ahead. Now, before I get into the scripture, I want to say this because I'm using M&Ms on the platform and some of you are salivating in your seats. I wanted you to know that on your way out of church later, I have little packages of M&Ms for every one of you here today. We're giving M&Ms out to everybody. 
Like, I'm like, you get M&Ms and you get M&Ms and you get... No, um, uh, it's not a new car, but hey. Uh, no, seriously, we have uh, M&Ms for everybody on your way out. So hang tight till the end. We'll give them to you. And you can take them home and eat them and remember, hopefully, what we talked about. But for now, follow along as we explain something. When I grew up in church, I grew up in a church that... Um, in, in, in a culture, a different kind of culture, but we, most of my Bible uh, study when I was a kid was always in the King James translation, which is fine. A lot of old English, and we can talk about that for a whole other day. But sometimes I memorize my verses out of there. One of the verses I memorized in the King James kind of said something that there's more to it than what I read, but I want to take it to you there because it taught me something that I'm going to build on today. So in the King James translation, uh, Proverbs 18 and verse 9, I learned this verse. He that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. He that is slothful in his work. So in other words, he, the person who's lazy, slothful could mean they're too lazy to go out and find a job. Ah, if one comes to me, maybe I'll work. I don't know. They're too lazy. When they get a job, they're too lazy to get up there and show up on time or show up regularly because they don't feel like it because, you know, I've got a tummy ache today, or, you know, I've got things to watch, I've got podcasts, I don't know. So they, we don't do anything. So slothful, so they, don't, so they lose their job, or they don't work hard at their job, they're always sneaking around the corner checking Facebook, or they don't do it as little as possible, they don't want any extra, no, no overtime, no side hustle, no, they just kind of just do as little as possible to get by. And Proverbs says, he that's slothful in his work is a brother to him, that is a great waster. And of course, the idea I took from that is that this brother, he's not slothful in his work. He works hard. He gets that, he markets himself, finds that job, gets that income, takes it home, packs, you know, gets busy. But he wastes it all. Because once you get a little money, you can upgrade your chariot. You know what I'm saying? I want, I want a four-wheel drive chariot. That's what I want. And, uh, and you, could, you could have a little nicer stuff. Um, and, and here's the thing, you, you know, you could, you could do some more stuff with your stuff and get a bigger house. Now, a bigger house costs more money, but that's okay, because I have made some money. I've, I, I work hard. I'm like my lazy brother. I worked hard. So I'm going to work hard, but I'm a bigger house. Now, a bigger house costs more money, but then i got to pay taxes on my bigger house, which is more money. More insurance on my bigger house, which is more money. i got to furnish more space in my house, which is more money. i got to maintain all that, but that's okay, because it's the dream. And then a bigger, bigger car. Four years from now, I'll be tired of that car because it's going to be already old news and starting to have issues. But hey, you know, I'll get a new one then. And then new clothes because next year my clothes will start to rip or maybe fade and I'll be tired of them anyhow. I'll get more then. But, and, and I can eat out because, hey, eating out is much more convenient than taking food home and preparing it. It costs more. But it's easier. And, of course, it all goes really to waste. Literally goes to waste. Or to the waste, one or the other, I don't know. But um, anyhow, uh, so this brother is a waster. Now, that verse stuck with me. Now, here's the bottom line. What that verse is saying right there is something deeper than that. It's actually a whole different, that's just old English. I misunderstood maybe the main point. I don't know, I was going to give you the whole detailed explanation of it. The bottom line is there's more to that verse than the context I understood it to be in now. But it's just how I learned it in the, in, in the, then. So why did I share it with you if it's not maybe the main point of the verse in modern, better translated English? The reason why is because even though the verse might be saying something a little different than what I took it to mean, what I learned from it is true throughout the Bible. It's a nice, simple verse I learned that taught me something that's taught throughout the Bible. The Bible over and over again teaches us, don't be slothful, don't be lazy, don't be slothful in your work. And over and over again it says, save what you have, don't spend it all, don't waste it all, don't be materialistic, don't lose it. Those concepts are throughout the Bible. So even though that verse has a broader context than the way I learned it as a kid, I've seen over and over, and we're going to see lots of Scripture the next few weeks that, that kind of takes different directions, but, but remind us one way or the other of an idea that there's these two brothers, and they are two broke brothers. Broke brother number one is like, hey, man. His brother's like, why don't you get a job? Are you kidding me? Oh, man. No. Uh, if, if I have to, I'll do as little as I need to do, but I don't have to work hard at it because I don't, I want to live, you know. These are the best years of my life. Who cares about when you're older? You, you aren't you half dead anyhow? Who cares if, about your comfort side? I'm just today, man. Today is it. And his brother says, you're an idiot. You're lazy. But the other brother says, 
I'm going to go out and market myself, get a job, hustle. If the job doesn't appreciate what I do, I'll find one that does. I'll, I'll, find, I'll work to find that one, and I'll work my way up in that company, and I'll be valuable, and I will, I will, um, uh, I will put the extra, I'll put overtime in. I'll find a side hustle if I need to to make it. I'm going to do something. And he gets some income. And then he gets that new chariot, new car, bigger house, eat out more, new system, new game system. Spends it. Hey, I worked hard. I deserve to. And he was doing it. And his brother over here, his brother who's lazy, he's like, you're the idiot. Look at you. You work so hard night and day. What do you have to show for it? It all comes in. It all goes out. And now you've got to keep that job. You've got to keep slaving away forever and slaving away just so that you can maintain your spending habits. And you have nothing to show you. It comes in. It goes out. You, you're, you're stuck on the treadmill of a work existence for the rest of your life. You're the idiot. And the guy's like, are you kidding me, brother? I'm, I'm not. Look at me. At least, I have, at least I can spend something. At least I can waste my money on things that you think are a waste. Because I have money. Because I work hard. So, yes, I'm spending it all, but I can do that. And the other brother's like, yeah, but you're, you're spending all your money. And you're spending all your time to make the money you spend. I'm over here. I'm over here saving my time. My time is valuable to me. And you don't have any. You see what's happening? They're brothers. They disagree with each other. They think the other one's wrong and they're smarter. But even though they're different, both brothers are the same. They're broke. <laughs> they're broke. They have nothing to show for it. One has an income problem and the other has an outgo problem. One has an income problem, the other has an outgo problem. Now, I want to take you to some Proverbs today. We're not going to look at, we're going to look at a lot of verses the next few weeks, and some of them will be in the book of Proverbs. I want you to know this. A lot of the book of Proverbs was written by King Solomon. Solomon was the son of King David. He was known for his wisdom. He prayed for wisdom. He was known for wisdom, and he wrote much of the book of Proverbs. He also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, and he wrote the book of the Song of Solomon. But he wrote a lot of Proverbs. And if you were to ever read the book of Proverbs, the first nine chapters of that book are Solomon writing kind of long-form letter to his children. Starting in chapter 10 of Proverbs, we kind of get to the fortune cookie verses, you know? The fortune cookie verses, the little one-liners in Proverbs that you can write down. That starts in chapter 10. But for the first nine chapters, Solomon's writing to his children about how to do life. And here's what he says to his kids in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 6. He says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. <laughs> He's just kind of getting right down to it. You lazy bones, take a lesson from the ants. Learn from their ways and become wise. Here's what's fascinating to me. So many times when the scriptures talk about our financial principles, our money, especially in Proverbs, it uses the word wisdom or being wise. Because it's, it's a spiritual matter. Learn from the ants, learn from their ways, and become wise. How are the ants wise? Verse number seven. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work. In other words, they're not enslaved. They don't have to do it. They don't have to do anything. They don't have to work, but they choose to work. and They work hard, and they work together. They work. Though they have no prince or governor to make them work, Yet, they labor hard. They labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. And there's two applications. One is that during the summer, they don't sit back and say, hey, it's only summer once. Who cares? Figure out winter. Who cares about winter anyhow? We'll figure that out when it gets here. We'll enjoy the summer. They labor hard during the summer. And they gather food. They don't just eat it all. They don't just use it all. They gather it. They store it for the winter. Now, I was going to take some time today and share with you the famous uh, story of the ant and the grasshopper from Aesop's Fable. You remember that? No time for that today. Maybe we'll come back to it some other time. But here's the bottom line. The idea of the ant is a principle in Scripture and throughout illustrations of life of someone who's not like our two broke brothers, but somebody who does it right. 
One other place in Proverbs, one other place in Proverbs the ant is referred to. It's near the end. It's Proverbs chapter 30. And um, it's not written by Solomon, actually. Chapter 30 and 31 are written by two different people. Chapter 30 is written by a man named Agur. Nice name. I can't throw stones. Agur said this in Proverbs 30, verse 24. He says, There are four things on earth that are small, but are unusually wise. That's interesting. There's the idea of wisdom, financial principles, and wisdom again. The Bible is, is very clear that what we do with our money is a matter of wisdom. Four things on earth that are small, but are unusually wise. What are these four things? Well, the first one, verse 25, he says, ants. There's the ants again. Ants, he says, they aren't strong, but they store up food all summer. So they labor hard in the summer, they gather, and they store up food all summer. And notice that it says they aren't strong. You all know that ants aren't very strong, right? Like, you know what it takes to ruin an ant's life? Just a one big human or animal walking over and stepping on it. It's over. Or a good rainstorm to wash it out. You know? And so here's the, here's the thought. Why? What a waste of time. Here's a poor ant working hard, gathering all summer, storing up his stuff and gathering all summer and storing up his stuff. And then a human steps on him or a storm comes by. And what was the point of that? You could die in an instant. But the ant, here's what the ant understands. That if by chance catastrophe does not strike, if by chance life doesn't hit them in the worst possible ways, because that can happen to anybody, if for chance the ant survives the summer and winter comes, is going to need something or it's going to be in trouble on that day. So even though something could happen along the way, so why try? Because if I make it through, I'm going to need some food this winter. And see, that's all of us. Don't miss the point. I know people sometimes in life say, well, why would you care about the future? A thousand things can go wrong anyhow. Yes, they can. A thousand things can go wrong anyhow. I know that. That's why earlier I said the Bible tells us not to trust in our wealth. Don't trust in our money. Trust in the Lord. Things can happen at the drop of a hat. Heard someone tell me the illustration this week of uh, someone who worked um, their job at some big corporation that promised them a really good pension their whole life. And they got to their, they got between Social Security and their pension, they were going to be set. And they got to their, that, that time to retire, and the company shut down, dried up. All their stock was in that company. They lost everything. Yeah. So someone says, well, be more diversified than that. Diversify your investments and put them in multiple places. But if you did all of that and protected your, you saved and prepared and invested wisely with your eggs in multiple baskets, here's the bottom line. You can still have a health failure. And all of a sudden, before you can enjoy it, life can change, right? We know that. That's why we don't trust in our wealth. But here's the other thing. Just because that could happen is not a reason for me to sit and say, well, since that could happen, why prepare? Because as we're trusting God to take care of us, sometimes when you say, God, will you take care of me? God's like, I've been trying to take care of you for the past five or ten years. I give you opportunities, 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 and you didn't use them or you wasted them. See, some of the way God takes care of us is by giving us a chance now. And the ant is saying, hey, summer's here, I could play. But summer's also here and I could prepare. Because I won't always be this strong. I won't always be this warm. I won't always be, and yes, this is a time. But here's the thing. There's enough time in the day to do both. By the way, I always want to say to young people, there's enough time in the day to play and work. There's enough time in the day, uh, old people. But the older we get, the less our energy is there. And we still care about comforts of life. And so while the summer is here, store up. The ants aren't strong, but they store up food all summer. Now, what we're seeing is this. The ants are the opposite of our two broke brothers. The two broke brothers don't get along, like two brothers sometimes don't. The one thinks the other's too lazy, the other thinks the other one's too wasteful. They both think their way's better. They found a better way to live than the other brother did. But they're both broke. So, what does the ant teach us? Well, you go out and you find a way to get some income. Get that job. Don't be afraid to go out and find one. Look for a better one if you need to. Do the work. It takes work. I know people who are, have enough character to work, but not enough character to find better work. If they can, work hard, find good work, get some there. Find a company that you can appreciate, you can move up and do, add value there. Be consistent, be on time, be faithful, be add value there. Make a difference, meet needs. 
and, and, and then take overtime when you can. Maybe get a side hustle, whatever they do. They get in, income. And then you save a little before you spend it. You spend what you need to. And then you go back the next day or the next week or the next month or however often you paid. Work some more. Something we taught our kids in, in our home is whenever you earn income from your young age, uh, we've, I've said this to our kids. I hope they take it to heart. I can't, it's up to them. I hope that, I've said it to our church. I hope you take it to heart. I, it's up to you. But I've always taught this, and you've heard this before, that whenever you earn income from the youngest age possible on, the best thing you'll ever do is from the beginning, give 10% away, gen, be generous, give 10% and save 10% and live off the 80. I've taught that all of our lives. Give 10%, save it. Why, why give 10%? Can I do that when I'm rich someday? You will never give someday if you're not giving now. You won't all of a sudden feel like giving a lot more money away if you can't give a little bit away. So percentage giving is equal and fair. So I've always said give 10% away from the get-go. And someday if you do well for yourself, do a lot better. Give 10%, save 10% always from the get-go before you spend a single penny. Save 10% and then live off the 80. And, and, and that right there is how you get ahead. And here's the thing, the younger, here's what's maddening about it. The younger you do that, some of us have read the stories, we've seen the surveys of kids. I used, uh, Dave Ramsey used to always talk about this uh, illustration where he showed us a chart of a kid who was 18 years old, started saving $1,000 a year for 18 years, for, at age 18, $1,000 a year at age 18, put it in the S&P 500 mutual fund, uh, just an index fund. And at age 19, added 1000 more to it that year. And age 20, a thousand more for eight years. He put a thousand dollars away for eight years into into uh, index fund, which averaged eight to nine percent per year over the course of each year. And then he stopped putting any money in after eight years. And by the time he was 65, someone else he had a friend who didn't put anything in at 18 or 19 or 20, didn't start investing until he was 26. When the other guy had been investing for eight years, that guy who started at 18 stops at 26. The other guy starts at 26, putting 1000 a year in, puts it in for 40 years, and never catches up to the first kid. Never catches up. And when you see that and you're a little older, you're like, mm, I didn't do that, you know? <laughs> but the thing is, is this give and save, the younger you start saving 10% at the beginning before you spend any of it, the younger you do that, Man, you're, you're going to be okay. I'm not proposing anyone counts on their pension or anyone counts on Uncle Sam when they're in their 60s to take care of them for life. It's a bad game plan. I'm saying gather and store up now. Now here's the thing. There's a thousand ways you can do this. We can earn, save our 10%, go spend it. But say, you know what? I'm going to spend it all. I'm gonna, I'm, I already saved some, but I, I held back a little extra this week. I didn't, spend, I didn't eat, drink as much coffee this week. Didn't eat out. I didn't go by McDonald's drive-thru this week. I, I, I say, I'm going to save that too. And then make another week and do our saving first. And then spend what you need to spend. Spend some more. You know what? Do something a little extra special. You got to do some special stuff sometimes. No, there's a reason not to. So I'm going to do a little extra. I don't have much to do all this week. To, but I held a little bit back. Save a little bit extra beyond my initial savings. And keep going. Look, here's the bottom line. Getting ahead, getting ahead is about widening the gap between income and outgo. Getting ahead is about widening the gap between income and outgo. In other words, if your income, your income has to match your outgo or you're going in the hole. But if, you're in, if, you, if your income and your outgo are the same, you're not getting ahead. If you, if you get some more income and you're like, hey, Here's what we all do. Let's be honest now. As soon as we have a little more money, we need a few more things. We somehow, when, when couples first get, become adults or first get married, it's amazing what we can live off and live without. But as soon as we start getting a little more money, we're like, well, you know what we really need? I've not needed it yet, but now that I have money, I need this. I'm not, look, I'm condemning, I'm preaching about myself here. When we first got married, I was working two jobs. We were still in college because we didn't want to wait to get married until after college. We were figuring out college and I was working two jobs to help make it happen. And uh, we and, and Michelle did, was working something on the side and going to school, and we were hustling. And then my one job, my main job, gave me a huge promotion and a huge raise. And I was able to quit the other job and do a whole lot better with my one job. I got a huge promotion and a huge raise. And you know what? The minute I got that raise, you know what I realized? We need a new car. Because our other car was five years old. 
Well, here was a 1989. This was 1994. That's like the last decade already. They had a few little issues going on, and we worked hard and deserved the finer things of life. So I needed a new car, and I did. And I started the snowball of continual car debt rolling into more car debt for the next many years of my life before I figured out I didn't need new cars all the time. It's amazing when you get a little more income to say, I just need, it's just you understand, I need it. But, but getting ahead is about widening the gap between income and outgo. And the more you can have income go up and, and keep outgo from rising to match it or even pull outgo down is the ability to say the more you can do that, the more you can put aside. And this is where you get ahead. You got to spend something. You got to eat and live indoors and wear clothes, please. But you don't do everything. You can do some things occasionally, but you can hold back. You can, you can make some sacrifices. See, yeah, but why sacrifice now when this is the prime of my life? Whoever told, you know, kids that these are the, the best years of their life, stop lying to people, okay? I'm going to tell you something. You care about your comforts in your 30s and your 40s and your 50s and your 60s as much as you do when you're young. You don't have the energy to make it happen anymore. Life still matters. You still care about quality. But sometimes we're, we're stuck in the same rat race 40 years later because we never got ahead. Getting ahead is about widening the gap between income and outgo. And listen, this is accomplished. This here is accomplished. Don't miss it. It's so basic. It's so simple. This is accomplished by maximizing income and by minimizing outgo. And then as you do that over time, as you do that over time, as you're not the one broke brother who refuses to work because, hey, why would I want to do that? It's only summer once, you know? It's only fun time once. And so I don't want to do that and I'm not part of that. When you, or when you work hard, but you're not with the other guy who says, hey, it's all for now. Who cares about the future? Today's the only day that matters. What's the point? And you save and you hold on. You save and you do the hard things now. Dave Ramsey used to teach financial peace. He used to always say, or still does, he used to always say, you got to live like no one else so that later you can live like no one else. You know what I'm saying? What does that mean to live like no one else? Well, everyone else is just either not making enough or spending all that they make. And to, to be able to work hard to make more and not spend it all and, and set a lot of it aside, not many folks are doing that. But, but if you can live like no one else and do that, someday, someday you can live like no one else. Because over time, you save more, you spend more, you save more. Whoops, spill some, save some, live off what you need to, save a little extra, work hard, get ahead, next paycheck, take what you get, save first, spend later, don't spend it all, save some more. You say, oh, and next year? No, no, no. Long, consistent steps. Long, consistent, how did I say it earlier? Long, consistent steps in the same right direction. And eventually, we overestimate what we can do in a year, and we underestimate what we can do in five or ten years. That's so far away. And eventually, when you do that, over time, it begins to build up. And it begins to build up. And it begins to build up. Not day one, not next month, but over time. It turns into more. At some point, the money you've saved up, if you're doing what we're going to talk about later, that money's earning you money. Forget that money. That money's earning you money. And as that money earns you money, it builds up and builds up. Right? And that is where life change happens. This, what you do with, over time with your margin, is where you have the opportunity to change your life and to change your world and to change someone else's world where you can make the difference around you. That's where you can sit there and say, I don't need a job that pays me the most money. I just need a job that brings me a sense of meaning. I want to see, I can volunteer. I don't need any job. I can volunteer my time and do what I want to do because I've prepared. It's where you can get to a spot in your life where you can sit there and say, I can help my parents in that stage of their life. Help my kids when they were going through the crazy I once went through. I can take that trip and enjoy those experiences now because I lived like no one else earlier, so now I can live like no one else today. I can, I can, this is, I don't, I can quit, I can not quit needing this. Because the amazing thing when you do it right is this becomes income. And it doesn't go away. This stays the same and it generates magically all of that used to generate. And while that continues there, you're living. What if you can live off of this? 
as it still continues to grow. That's called getting ahead. Say, oh, it's not possible. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Listen, I'm going to say this right now. We, we downplay this to a generation coming up because a bunch of us didn't do this. I'm just going to be real pointed here. A lot of Gen Zs and millennials have grown up, and the statistics say they've grown up with a lack of hope in the future. And that's not a criticism of them. That's not a criticism of my generation and the one before me. My generation and the one before me is the problem. We have created a culture that either showed, maybe since we didn't, didn't work hard, but maybe we worked hard, but we kept spending it all, living, chasing the American dream that wasn't the right dream. But one way or the other, we've made the mess. We're, we're massively in debt. We're behind the eight ball. And we've, we've done some crazy stuff. And in our decision-making, we've decided, because it didn't turn out this way for us, we've decided that the American dream is dead. We've passed that message along to people. Oh, the American dream is dead. What? We've passed that message along because of our experience. And so it's, it's much easier to, to blame everything else than to say, I could have done something better. And look, sometimes life just happens. Sometimes life is not fair and things just out of control. We've got to trust God when the rug gets pulled out from underneath us. But for many, many, many of us, the problem has been us and we just blame everything else. And we've ra- we are so jaded. We've raised a culture, created a culture of jadedness around us. People think it's not possible. Folks, we still live. Listen, you live in the land of opportunity. There are more millionaires. There's so, there so many millionaires. It's not even funny. It's even a, it's even a low bar anymore in the world today. There are 10 millionaires galore and 100 millionaires. There's so many there's more billionaires than have ever been billionaires before. And I'm not saying the point should be to be filthy rich. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the, the opportunities are there globally and especially in a place like this. And yes, there are obstacles and yes, things are not perfect. But don't let people who've not followed Bible principles because they either didn't believe the Bible in the first place or they just didn't practice what they said they, they believed. We've all just done the human thing. Don't let us tell you this ain't possible because we've not experienced it. It's more possible than ever. And if I could give some young people some hope, listen, you can do better for yourself than we did, than many of us did, not all of us, but you can do better than, your, than, than that. You can. It's being done all the time, every day. But it's by people who widen the gap between income and outgo, figuring out ways to maximize the income, minimize the outgo, and know what to do with what's in the middle, with what's the, the, the gap in the middle. And when you get here, 65 and retiring is, a, is, is not the best goal. When you're young, who wants to, why wait that long? I, I have dealt with people in the last few months of my life who have retired in their 20s. Many in their 30s, in their 40s. And that doesn't mean sit back and play video games all day. It's fine if you want to, I guess. But have something to do with your life that's meaningful. Do something purposeful. But not because you're in bondage to try to figure out how to just get this into here and get this into here. Because along the way, we've got ahead. And you know what's fun about getting ahead? You can do whatever you want to do. We'll give an M&M set for church, right? Y'all going to get some M&M's? Everyone likes M&M's, hopefully. How many of you today, hold on, I'm making a mess. How many of you like M&M's? You going to enjoy that today? Yeah, we have a bunch of M&M lovers. Laura, your hand's up. You like M&M's? Come up here, would you come, Laura? So forget the M&M's out there. I'm going to give this to you. That's a lot of M&M's. I want to tell you something. Don't save these. That's a lot of M&Ms. And they're all yours. And so you can share them with Robert if you want to, but I probably wouldn't. You can um, do what you want to, but that'll, that'll carry you through a day or two, right? This evening. This evening? <laughs> it's fun to give M&Ms away. I'm glad you like them. That's awesome. Thank you. That's fun. Do you know why I gave Laura a jar of M&Ms? Do you know why I gave Laura a jar of M&M's just now? Because I can. See, here's the thing. There's so much in life if you can get to an I can spot. But, but, but too often times we fall ourselves, and again, life, again, I said, don't, don't trust in riches, trust in God, faith. Here's the bottom line. Things can happen. But for so many of us, we act like one or the other of the two broke brothers instead. We either don't go out here and figure out how to get ahead with income, we don't maximize income, or we don't minimize outgo and we take it and we spend it. 
But when you get ahead, when you do this process, when you find a way to do what this looks like right here, you can. You can go there. You can give there. You can be that. You can do that. Everything's possible. You can let that become everything that, used to be, that this used to have to be. Say, well, Arlen, it's not very deep. Again, who needs deep? See, think about, you know, deep. That's a shallow truth. Here's the thing. When someone says something sounds shallow in, in, in Bible teaching, I always want to say, oh, it's shallow, huh? Are you doing it? Are we doing that well? Have we done this well? Because <laughs> here's the bottom line. It doesn't have to be deep. And I can play that game if you want to. I, I love it. I can, I can, let's say the Bible memory contest, I can, I can take anyone toe-to-toe. I've memorized more Bible in my life. And I, I, we had a contest a few years ago, and they had the kids in the church memorizing Bible verses and um, for prizes. They could pick an adult to be their partner and memorize verses for prizes and points. And someone picked me and their team, and, and we creamed the competition. It wasn't fair. I can play the game. I can, I can discuss the Hebrew and the Greek with you, and we can give doctoral dissertations. But here's what I've learned about, Christian, about life. A lot of us can do that, and it makes no difference in our lives. It doesn't need to be deep. It needs to be done. And this can be done. And if we did not do this, so well, I, it's, it's kind of late in my game now, Arlen. The best time to start was yesterday. The second best time to start is today. And I have kids, and you have kids, and if, if you have grandkids, this is what we, is get, let's believe the scriptures, let's believe the wisdom. Let's learn from the ant. Let's not be either broke brother. What's, you say, well, Arlen, and I gotta, I gotta wrap this up pretty soon because it's getting late now, and I knew I'd take too long. But here's the thing. Like, Arlen, what's the point of getting ahead? What's the point of this margin? Aren't you ultimately just going to get ahead? And then isn't the point ultimately once you get ahead to spend it all anyhow someday? I mean, you don't want to die with a bunch of money anyhow, so you're going to spend it anyhow. So what's the point? I mean, are you trying to be Scrooge McDuck swimming through his piles of M&Ms? Is that the point? No, 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 listen, listen, that's not the point. The point is this, getting ahead allows you to do anything that you might want to do someday. Let me give you this illustration, and I know it's so late here, and I've got to wrap this up shortly, but listen. It's your child, mom and dad, who says to you, I want to go to the fair at the end of summer. And you say to them, okay, um, save up your allowance so you can go, because it's going to cost this much money. Okay. But then the next week, when they get their allowance money, they see Tootsie Rolls at the store. And then they see a phone app with a really cool game for 99 cents. You know what I'm saying? And the money disappears. The next money, we think of money, and they get something else disappears. And then, and then at the end, some of them are broke. Or they say, I want to buy a bike for next year. So they're going to save money this year to buy a bike for next year. But then they get their first, they say, well, do your chores and you get some money. So they do their chores, get some money. And then they go out and they see Doritos at the store. And there's a coffee at, on the way home. And their friends are going to the movies. Do you know what I'm saying? And then it's time to get by the bike. Like, I want a bike now. My friend got a bike. I want a bike. Do you have money? No. Well, I'm sorry. I want to go to the fair. Did you save your money? No. Well, I'm sorry. Well, it's not fair. Oh, you're right. There is no fair for you. That's true. Uh, you're not going. Because, but, you know, you, what, as moms and dads, hopefully you try to teach them principles and then painfully sit back and say, okay, learn the hard way. But hopefully they understand that sometimes it's okay to spend a little bit along the way, but deferring some pleasure and saving aside There'll be something else someday that you'll want to do. And here's the crazy part. You won't know till it gets there. You'll be like, I want to do something. And if you've not gotten ahead, you'll say, I wish I could. But if you got ahead, you can say, there it is. The opportunity I was looking for, I didn't even know it was coming. But I can. I can. But the only way, see, don't knock the kids for the fair and the, and the, and the, and the Tootsie Rolls and the Doritos they bought. Adults are the same way. We, we go out and do the same thing. We make a little money and we say, well, hey, because this is the time. But here's the point. Someday, like the fair and the bike for the kids, someday there's going to be something you're going to want to do. Maybe it's going to be you don't want to live off the interest of, of the money you've already made earning it for you. Maybe it's going to be you want to go and do something big. You want to do something. You maybe don't know what it is yet. But the only way to get there is to increase out income, decrease outgo, maximize this, minimize that, and, and, and get ahead. And then when that day comes, you're not saying, I wish I could. You're saying, I can. Proverbs 13, verse 16, my last verse. Proverbs 13, 16 says this. Wise people think before they act. Fools don't. And even brag about the foolishness. Wise people think, hey, I should probably get some work hard. Why waste this time? 
hey, I, I'm off. I can, I, I can get a side hustle. Say, I don't work all the time. There's 24 hours in a day, man. I can, I'm going to do a little extra. And then I can spend it all. But you know what? I'm going to wish I had something someday. So they think. They're prudent. They think. I'm going to look ahead a little bit. Wise people think before they spend. Fools don't. Fools even brag about their foolishness. They're the two brothers. The one brother's saying, hey, I ain't working for the man. I'll do my own thing. I'm living life. I'm enjoying it. Well, YOLO, you know. And the other brother's like, you're an idiot. Look at all the toys I have. Look at all my toys. I got the most toys. Woo. But there's a better way. Listen to the ant. So we're going to close with this. I have no sticky statement to give you. Oftentimes at the end of a sermon, we give you a sticky statement. Maybe you didn't know we did that. Now you know. It's a way of giving you a statement that hopefully is sticky, so it sticks with you. We're not doing that today. Instead, I'm going to leave you with a question today. Because in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about how to maximize income. Is it possible? Yes. How, how can you do that? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about how to minimize outgo. Is it even possible? Absolutely. But it's countercultural. We're going to talk about what do you do once you get ahead? What can you do? How can this change your life? How can this work for you so you don't need this anymore? That's the fun conversation. I can't wait for that. That's fun. The how-to. We'll get there. But I'm going to leave you with a question every single week. And as we get started today with a simple illustration, here's my question for today. What does getting ahead mean to you? Not to me, not to someone near you. What does it mean to you? What is getting ahead? What is this? What's the point? If you got ahead, what would it be for? What would you want to do? What would you want to get ahead for? What does getting ahead mean to you? Think about that. Some of us need to dream again. If, if, we're, if we're jaded, don't pass it on. <laughs> what does getting ahead mean to you? If you're married, discuss it with your spouse. What does it mean to us? Dream together. If you're um, in a group, discuss it with your small group. If you're single and you're hoping to get married someday, think, what do you hope your spouse would say it means to them? Maybe make sure you're aligned with somebody before you tie the noose. I'm tie the knot. Um, figure that out first. What does getting ahead mean to you? And I hope that when the race is over, there will be some people here sooner than you might think who are able to look in their life and say, thanks to the Bible, thanks to Scripture, thanks to some things that we were taught, thanks to things like today's sermon, I've done the right job. I've listened to the ant. I've not been the broke brothers. And now I can. Now I can. That's my hope and my prayer for you.